Hey everybody, I'm Alan. And I'm Brent. And we're here for episode, are we on, what number are we on, Snowman? Uh, eight, I think. Eight, I call that number Snowman. I understand. All right, when I used to, I used to golf a long time ago, when I was younger and stupider and had way more free time, and every time I got an eight on a hole, instead of crying I just or feeling bad, I just called it a snowman and I felt good. Random Alan trivia. I have nothing to say. Random, this. random, random, random. All right. So, um, you ready to get going? I am. Let's. So let's look at the agenda for today. We have a bunch of stuff, uh, or maybe not much at all. We'll find out. In our last podcast, I cut Brent off because I didn't want to hear about his IRR thing. But this week, maybe I want to hear more about it. I thought we just start off and let him finish his thoughts on there while we are guaranteed to have some time. So one of the problems let me let me start off with the problem as we move into this new world one of the issues that uh, people are facing is uh, we have this new review model where we're kind of judged on three different things one is how awesome we are individually how awesome we were at listening and incorporating other people's ideas and then how awesome we were around taking our ideas and helping others with them. And we means, of course, Microsoft. And I wonder how much – is that the HR guidance? It is. Those, those things? I, well, I maybe with a little less awesome. A little less awesome it. sauce? Right. I haven't heard that as much. I wonder if uh, uh, it's as transparent or as clear across the company. Just a, a side little uh, editorial comment. Just, just with, with the people that I've talked to. That's good. Um, my, you saw from my values a couple podcasts ago that when we talked about those is I'm really big into transparency and let people know exactly what you care about. And I think uh, if we could get if that, if that's the right mix, if we get that in everybody's head and they kind of get it, um, the right things will happen. Because in the past, as you know, it was all about being the rewards was all about being awesome yourself, no matter who you crapped on along the way. Right. And as long as. Uh... That awesomeness you did was something that management remembered. Uh, yeah. Peak so, in May used to be. Right. That was exactly right. Um, <clears throat> so Alan and I have talked about one thing that one of our big competitors do, and that is every week on Friday, everybody in the company writes a status report that gets submitted into this giant index that anyone can read. So it it. it not only can anyone read, but it's searchable. Right. I wonder if anybody else is stuck on this same, you know, link to SQL issue that I am. I mean, and here, here's right, four right. other people working on this. Oh, cool. And so what, one of the things that that does is it really makes it easy for people to find other people who have similar passions. So if there's something, so Alan mentioned a problem, but let's say there's something big. that I want to create a small little niche um, book site. I wonder if anyone else in the company might be interested in working with me. It gives me the ability to kind of search through that index and then find a name that I could reach out to. Okay. Now, one of the, one of the things that uh, I realized very recently, because my strategy to try to influence this company to do something similar, was basically talking to any and everybody that would listen. And then I realized just a couple weeks ago, wait a minute, we already probably have that asset, just no one's using it in that way, I will start. 
This is where Trailblazer Brent. That's right. This is where the IRR idea came from. What it stands for is an individual retrospective report. Okay. And and I've just communicated it with my team. It, it, the, uh, give me a moment to ponder. The, the name sucks. Okay? It, it's, but what I'm trying to do is this is something that I want every week, and it is not a status report. Do you go, um, do you go to him and go, yeah, we're going to need your IRR report. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you could bring some donuts on the way in, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know about our, our, our uh, four or five. How many listeners do we think we have now? I think um, I don't. I think we lost a couple. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah. The the I just don't do passive aggressive very well. It's not not winding back to a nutshell. Okay. The biggest value of 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 our competitor putting all of their status reports into the central store that's searchable. Um, when, when you mention status reports at this company, what what it generally means it's it's pain, bureaucracy, and and some jerkwad somewhere is trying to use this to create a paper trail so that they can hold me accountable for things that they don't understand. Yeah, I freaking hate status reports. Right. I had to write. You know the story. Like uh, three months ago, I was interacting with this team, and they wanted everyone to write on a, this sort of virtual team to write status reports. So um, people would write pages. I would write two bullet points. Like one of them was done, not done. Actually, the first one I did, one of my accomplishments was wrote my first status report in 15 years. Actually, Alan forwarded that to me. It, 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 it was a great giggle. Um, Do you see why we didn't talk about this last time? Why there wasn't enough time? There was plenty of time. There, I was on a roll at that point in time. Now I'm. Um, now what do you do? Now you're like. I'm uh, like coffee's not. You're like working. a square wheel trying to roll down the hill. That, uh, trying to roll up a hill, <laughs> uh, on its own. An IRR's purpose, and yes, it will undergo a name change, but in the short term, it's not a status report. Go on. Its purpose is to fish. What I'm trying to do with it is make my team easy to find for people who go and search and the the type of people that I want to reduce that friction towards is the ones where they have a solution for a problem that we're facing or we have a solution for a problem they are facing. I don't have a problem on my team. My entire team is awesome on individual contribution, but we do a lot of collaboration, and we spend a lot of time talking about, man, we know that this expertise exists. How do we find them? Well, yeah. one way to, to, to do that is make yourself easy to find. Yeah, I think um, as a side note, the editorial comment is almost every problem I run into, I stop and think, surely someone has solved this before. Then the challenge is, how do I find that right connection, especially now when I'm working with a lot of um, widely used tools. Um. Yep. So, so right now uh, we, we will iterate over it. And what I've when I laid it out to my team, I said I, I laid down a baseline in terms of the content I want it to to contain. Um, just four items. It's essentially what sorts of things are you working on? Um, 
What problems are you facing that others might be able to help you with? Uh, <clears throat> what sorts of things, what sort of solutions do you think you've, you've now done in, in this last week that others might be able to capitalize? And then are there any critical learnings um, for knowledge sharing? Hey, I learned that this is a really bad way to try to solve this problem. <laughs> things like that. And that'll be our first baseline. I told the team. So have, have you done one yet? No. Oh, we rolled this, this is all theoretical. It's all. Unimplemented. Not yet fully started. The first half-baked set... idea living in Brent's head. No, it's already rolled out to the team. All right, fully baked. It's already rolled out to the team. They will start this today. No, I'm teasing you, but I like the idea. And I think as long as you keep it short to the point, it's almost like a the stand-up. Let me see if this analogy works. The status report meeting is to the scrum stand-up as the written status report is to the IRR. Yes. God, I'm good. Yes. <laughs> so the other thing, too, is is I've, I've already told the team, I don't know what, what this prize will be, but we will reward people who figure out the right format that decreases the time it takes for people to find us. Right, it's. I, I mentioned it's like fishing. Well, we got to find the right bait. We can't just throw empty hooks out. Probably won't work. The other thing too is, I want the team to figure out how to adjust this format so that anyone can do it within fifteen minutes. It. it, it, it I, I was going to ask how long it should take. I would. I would expect it would take less than fifteen minutes. In fact, yeah, I would but make you're it... a brilliant uh, writer. What you take. 15 minutes to do generally takes but, me four hours. The point is, um, regardless of the brilliant or non-brilliant uh, level of the writer, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's learning. No, it doesn't. The, the point is, if you are good at search foo, if you are good at typing and figuring out, you know, and you have to answer some really crazy question, finding the right search terms to find to get the hit – you probably are able to write a very good IRR because what you're trying to write is what you did in searchable terms. Right. Don't Absolutely. use big words. Use small words. Use and and use and well known well known world words. world. You're right. So there is a little bit of an art to it, but yep. uh, it should be quick. You don't want to write uh, Hemingway. You want you you're asking for not very many bullet points. Right. It's for a week, so. So the the we're gonna we have a public Yammer group already in place. Um, I'm gonna follow your Yammer group. Anyone can anyone can can join it. I, I've made it as easy as possible uh, for people to get aboard. Um, and the value of this, for at least me and my team, is not theoretical. Um, I did a different version of this. I had a community alias about a year ago. And I let people join whenever they, they wanted. And suddenly, people who I had no idea who they were started joining. I'm like, okay, if they get value out of it, knock themselves out. Was this an email alias distribution It was list? an email distribution Did list. Did you call it free beer? No. I oh. called it um, it's Power BI Telemetry Community. Okay, All so right. it's around. Anyway, go on. Yeah, it worked as people a. People joined. It, they did. You know why? <clears throat> people are a desperate 
for information. Because I use the T word. The T word. Software <laughs> which, design, which means, engineering, telemetry. Yeah, it means everything and nothing right now. Within, uh, once that event started occurring, people who I didn't know who they were started joining. Within three weeks, I got an email from a guy. Hey, it seems like you're beginning to work on this problem. Were you aware that me and my team already have a fully operationalized data warehouse for that exact problem? To which I respond, no, I was not. When shall we meet? (laughs) And uh, that ended up being a great partnership, and it shrunk easily four months off of my schedule. Yeah, I think one way to find that often, you know, because we don't have a good way of uh, discovering what we don't know we don't know or what other people are doing right now, I think often the best way, at least in my experience um, at our company, the best way to find out if someone else is working on a particular project or item or a problem is to say that you are working on solving that particular problem or, or, or project. And then the person who's people that are also working on it will pop out of the woodwork. Yes. It's, it's just funny. I, 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 there's got to be a better way there. So a lot of people, what they try to do is they try to solve this problem proactively. So I'm going to have, Alan, you are now, whether or not you are an expert, you are now the expert on uh, natural language uh, programming. We're all doomed. (laughs) Uh, Just so that everyone, so that I can send a mail out to the whole world and let everyone know, Alan is now the expert. He will take care of all of these questions, right? That doesn't help. What really what I'm trying to do is, uh, hey, uh, proactive is one aspect but how do I shrink reactive? I know I am struggling with finding people. I know Alan has this this problem now and again. Alan has a, a fantastic people network, um, and, and a lot of people uh, know this and leverage it. Um, I think we've talked before. I have a half written Think Week paper. I never finished it. Um, I don't even know where it is anymore. Gosh, I might have lost it in a hard drive crash. But I'm uh, called on this concept of if only Microsoft knew what Microsoft knew. Right. And so I, I like the IRR idea because I think it's a great, it's a method for discovering what you don't know. You don't know. And for discovering, um, uh, for making those connections. What, um, when Steven Johnson, uh, author talks about where good ideas come from, one of the things it needs is a network. You mm-hmm. need great ideas are most often a connection between other ideas and those ideas need a, a, a real network to swim in and, and to find connections. So anything that provides that network, you know, whether it's searchable terms. Um, sorry, I was thinking through Yammer. How do you filter through? I guess if you're searching that one group. I, I don't know. I'd figure out how to use Yammer for this technology, but um, for a company-wide thing. You just go to the top and you hit search. And I know, yeah. but there's so much other. There's There's... There's technical groups and there's social groups on Yammer, and I'm, I'll have to see how search works and I want to look for. So, so one question, because Alan is a is a much better Yammerer than than I. So you said you're going to join my group. Um, do you know? I didn't give you the name. Does that block you? Um, I could search for what I can do is I can search for you and see what groups you're in. I could probably guess which one it is, but okay. really I was probably just going to email you to ask you for the name. No, I was hoping that you had an out al- that your former algorithm w- would be there. Cause again, 
if if I have this if I have this obtuse name that doesn't necessarily align, then people are gonna it'll be hard. Well, Certainly I would probably associate with me. You know, my search view <clears throat> is not bad. I would probably try IRR. Okay. See if that shows up. I don't remember what it stands for. Infrared something. Um, but when that didn't work, I would probably just search for you and see what groups you're in. Okay. Good. Yeah, the company is um, a sufficient <clears throat> measure or a method exists for which people can find out what they don't know. Yes. Yeah. Um. Our, it's funny. I, I'm sure a lot of companies are the same way, but um. Well, Yammer is. It's funny. Uh, our company uh, is in love with email. Yes. Uh, they, it's hard for them to get out. So we have Yammer. They're part of Microsoft now. And we have, we're using Yammer internally. And some people are into it, but for a lot of people just haven't. Um, it's just not there yet. And I, I, I hate email. And I worked on the email I'm, I'm team. Trying, for- <laughs> I, uh, and the, now that we're part of this larger um, organization, uh, the operating systems group, uh, even more so. And it's not that, you know, phone calls can be intrusive. It's like you need to walk to my office every time. But I don't think people realize how much, what a black hole discussion lists are for, uh, you know, sharing information, uh, email discussion lists. Yeah. You, know, you don't, you don't have threaded. Well, you have threaded conversation, but it's lost. If I join, if this was a distribution list, I could put the, I could put all your emails into a folder and search from that folder would be great. But if I join it late, I can't find any of that stuff. Right. I can't make those connections. And and if there's a reply to one, you know, that gets lost too. It's just there's a there's a there's a degree of persistence missing. Yeah, I was talking to someone who's working with the Yammer team on something, and they were frustrated because they will not respond to email. If I want to get a response, I have to send something to them on Yammer. Great. <laughs> and they were sense. frustrated. I thought, well, doesn't that make sense? Come on. <laughs> So that's a, that's a hard, you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I have a thirst for discovering what I don't know I don't know, where I want to, I would prefer to use Yammer or um, some sort of uh, archivable, social, you know, discoverable, open, public, transparent group for discussing and, and figuring out my problems than email. In fact, you- I just solved a prop, this huge problem this week in some work I'm doing, and uh, it's all in email. There's no way... You know, we document it for our team in our OneNote, but when some other team, and I guarantee you some other team will run into the same problems I had to solve this week, uh, they have no way of discovering the solution. Yeah, it, well, they do have a way, but it's going to rely a lot on magic and hope, <laughs> right? If, if for some reason someone has the idea that connects that person's network to yours somehow, then there's a, a, there's a chance they can do it. Yeah, and we have my, my problem with email right now is the the signal to noise ratio is just awful it is and email uh is a very good medium for sharing like um you know announcements it's information sharing not it's not a great email is not a great for a corporation not a great discussion mechanism it it is information sharing not knowledge sharing i like that so we got a new boss and one of the things that I think is fantastic about this guy, he has done um, now three different slide decks. And one of the things he talks about is wait. This. I, the other thing we do too much besides email is PowerPoint. But go on. No, no. <clears throat> PowerPoint is fine. No. no. What, what we need is more. 
We need more communication and less babbling. I'll let you get, now. I I will but, rant on PowerPoint for one second and go back to your manager. So right. we are so addicted to it that I, you know I review. I'm one of the reviewers for Think Week papers every year, um, which are our internal papers. People trying to write about their great ideas. Every year, there's at least one or two Yahoos who submit their Think Week paper as a PowerPoint slide deck. Sweet. Guess what rating they get from me. <laughs> It's the same number of fingers I hold up to Brent when I'm mad at him. <laughs> All right, on to your boss. Yeah. I know how I'm going to post my next one then. Um, <laughs> All right. Anyway, one of the things that's really cool about him is, is, is uh, now in three different slide decks, he talks about Google Alerts. And I think it's cool because he talks about our competitor and what they're doing awesome. And he subscribes to Google Alerts. And what Google Alerts does is it gives him a sort of an intelligent agent sitting back behind the scenes and he's able to customize and say, Hey, these are the sorts of things I care about. Let me know when something that I care about pops up and make everything else go away. And I would love to be able to do that with, with the email. Tell me what I care about or should care about and Make everything else go someplace else. Yeah, I used to have a rule. In fact, I still have a rule. A rule suck. Well, I have a rule where only mail or I'm on the two or CC line comes to my inbox. But even with that, these days, signal to noise ratio is awful. Well, yeah, because people will start off sending, well, Alan needs to know about the noise level in the, or this, this monitor thingy or that the, the fact that his no, test case suite is... Not so much. No, no, no. Somebody suite. else decided that you need to know this. And then they very quickly realize that you're ignoring the announcement to the DL and so starts putting the DL plus Alan Page next to it. <laughs> right? I hate it, that. It, it's 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 no, Alan needs this information. And I will work through his wall of uh yeah, whatever. Anyway, manager slide deck, what's going on with your new boss? <clears throat> No, the whole point was was talking about Google Alerts. My new oh, boss, I get it. Yeah, my a- new boss is is uh, is completely awesome. I am. He just, must he must listen to the podcast. I don't think so. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I am. I am just a just a tad shy of just blatant hero worship. This guy's awesome. All right. Yeah, we'll talk about him more later. He can give, right. me, give me names and stuff. All right. I read a blog post this week. It was said there's uh, no such thing as agile testing, which thought, yeah it makes. I mean, there's to me there's it's all just testing. The post was talking about sort of what does the tester do on the agile team, and I want to talk about I don't want to talk about the post because I thought the the premise of the post was good. I didn't I thought the arguments the author made were totally off the wall. Um, what was what primary argument? Um, it was a lot of hearsay, like, but it made me think in relationship to we're talking about with more and more teams moving to being engineering teams, you know, and whether they're agile or not. And agile is this label that means now means 850,000 different things. So on an engineering team of generalizing specialists or specializing generalists or specializing specialists, maybe not the third one. Well, it's going to start up. So generally when I see agile testing, it's, it's, when I've seen that deployed, it's basically a group of pe- group of specialists trying to work together. All right. So let's reiterate one thing we talked about before. is that if you try and make an engineering team, 
you know, a team of, you know what I mean, engineering team. So it's titleless people. If you expect everyone to do everything soup to nuts, you're, you're screwed. screwed. You're totally screwed. So that doesn't work that way. You're going to have specialists. So what is the role or what are some examples? And I'll talk about mine as well, but I want to hear your answer first. What are some examples of the test specialist role on an engineering team? So first and foremost, um, I I am very much against that idea in the first place. Against having a test specialist? Uh, yeah. Talk about of. that, and, and I'll argue with you. The the I, I think I've talked about before that when I uh, first went into development, that I had a a um, a mix of folks. Uh, some came from um, more of a, a dev centric specialization, and some came more from a test centric specialization. And when I started off, I'm like. I, I will have none of that. Everyone's going to to work together and solve the same problems. And I, I viewed coding and testing as skill sets, not roles. The team uh, we've talked about before where the team really started to click with that. Um, and... As they started getting better and better, what we found is when I first put down and say, you know, everyone tests their own stuff. What I found, um, just in summation, is that the code got better, became a lot more modular. We found less bugs slipping through the cracks. And it be- because the code became, it became more modular because writing complex code is a pain in the ass to test. And when, mm-hmm. once I said, go ahead, write complex code, but you're testing it. And then when I started harassing them about why the hell is this thing that we estimated for two days is taking three weeks, right? It basically ended up forcing them to modularize and make it easier to test and easier to to validate. But that same process of modularization uh, ended up making it easier for us to add new features to the yeah, to the product. I, I'm all on board there. And I well, so the punchline is once the team clicked and was really going through high throughput. I then started asking myself, at what point in time would I hire a, a a tester to augment this team? And quite honestly, I really struggled with that. I still don't have a, an answer that I'm I'm very so, happy. So with. let me answer it. Okay. So I'm all on the board. I think there is no on an engineering team there is no role for a functional test specialist. So I think absolutely. I think the huge benefit of someone writing tests for their own code is they end up writing better code because they realize, oh shit, my code can't be tested. So that's great. Mm-hmm. But what I would hire a tester for is I need someone, how do I look at, how do I evaluate this thing end to end? Maybe through instrumentation, uh, maybe through analysis, maybe a data job. Um, who's the person to figure out how am I going to make sure we do adequate load testing on this? And, or, or looking at some of the, the we call the NFRs, the non-functional things. Those are things where I see where a test specialist fits in there because i think the people from the old test role who are good are good systems thinkers they can look at the thing and and figure out where the holes are um they're also process improvers and again this is weird because it's not really i'll talk about what i what i'm doing right now which is not at all testing but it's it's 
valuable. I'll get to it in a moment. But I yep. think what the test role is is not really a test role. It's a um, it's a engineering productivity. It's a and maybe a quality role. But there's there's some gaps that that the person who's you know, I'm developing the code, I'm writing my test for it. They may not be as good at thinking about now. How does this fit into the whole system? Not architecturally, but how you know this. What does the threat model or security look like? Maybe I have some expertise there. So there's a bunch of little gaps that I think uh, need to be filled in that may not be able to be filled in by the traditional software developer. So, a couple of things there. The first off, when I first went into dev, the the my team was around six seven people, and that sort of specialization. Uh, there's really not an ROI for for bringing uh, in not, on, not on that, that team that team, small. Yeah. There's there's no economy of scale there. The the second thing is, but we still had this integration problem, and what we ended up doing very dynamically, we ended up creating sort of a a, a monitoring site that allowed anybody on the team, whether or not they had written that component, to to very quickly visualize how the system was operating end-to-end. And we got actually very good at one person within 30 minutes could figure out, hey, our customer value proposition, what we own end-to-end, is in the weeds, and it's because of this right here. Yeah, I I think on a larger team, you're going to find more need for for some of those specializations. And for example, and I I want to... So actually, and I agree. But your question was, what's the role on an on an agile team? No, no, not necessarily on a on an agile. That organization. was the inspiration for it. I okay. say, I say, what's the role of a test specialist on an engineering team? So what I think, actually, I don't think they're a test specialist. I think that is um, a team, a specialized team of these same engineers who are focused on solving that security problem or that performance problem. They're they are. The one thing that they, as a whole, have in common is deep knowledge on this area of expertise. And what I have found to be the most valuable is what they do is they figure out how to automate that expertise so that these other teams... I think a lot of people worry that, well, I don't know what to do on this team. I, you know, I, I have these areas of expertise. And um, I think there are... I don't think we need nearly as many you know, test specialists as we have today, you know, these large test teams. But I think some of the attributes, I'll, I'll give you my example in a second. Some of the attributes of things that make people good testers are very valuable um, as a, almost a generalization to the team. I'm my, my superpower. If I were to, you know, probably have any of my last several managers describe it is I just can figure out how stuff works. I can figure things out, even if they're kind of outside of my wheelhouse. So, because I'm leaving on sabbatical coming up here in a while, I wanted to take on, but I wanted to have some work to do that would have an end date that would, um, uh, but wouldn't be critical path. So yeah. I've been working on a lot of work getting our our uh, Git repositories moved to um, Visual Studio Online and getting builds working and on-prem build controllers and learning all kinds of crazy stuff. And the biggest one finally solved this morning was, you know, the coordination of um, active directory credentials with uh, online credentials. So anyway, some interesting things. And everything's working great now. So we're, we're going to be ready to migrate before I go. So I'm pretty happy. But is that testing? Not even close. But, no. But is it, did I learn a bunch of new stuff and that I, you know, provide value to the team? Sure. And that's, 
that's my role. It's definitely not a test specialist role. It's a that's a very generalist role. I'm able to expand my the, the, my field of knowledge and learn some new things. I think there is role. There are roles for th- people. I, I who, don't. I don't. So I, I, I actually gave a, a a a brief speech to my team recently, and I thought I talked about it on the podcast, but because I can't remember, I'm going to go ahead and go ahead uh, do it again. The testers. Um, I don't think testing is what's valuable in the way we've been doing it. Like even from my own experience, as I just discussed, there's better ways of doing it to deliver quality. However, one of the things people are freaking out about is, hey, um, does that mean I'm no longer valued? And I've said, no, 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 no. Testers, they have four key things that they are attributes I won't, I don't, I'm uncomfortable calling it a role, but I'll say attributes that testers seem to have in common from my experience. Number one, they are very good at considering code quality issues. We're good at looking at code and going, you screwed up right there. Um, I remember, I remember uh, like yesterday, about 10 years ago, the dev architect did an off by one bug in his if loop. And oh, I mocked him forever. <laughs> what the hell is an if loop? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, if statement. All right, um, would be a yeah, whatever. Moving on. Um, code quality, we're good at that. Finding bugs is how we think of it, but that's not the value. It's about getting code quality up. Customer quality, we're good at that. Considering how the customer thinks and um, what sort of things would make them happy, that's something we're good at. Coding, we know how to code. We're not going to, I mean, the best of us isn't going to be better than the best of, say, the, the current development. But there is a great deal of things that we, we as, a, as a function, as a group, um, are quite good at doing. A large number of us could write a high-performant web UI without batting an eye. Okay? And then lastly, we're very good at systems thinking. We're very good at thinking things through end-to-end. And none of those four things, no matter what our role is, um, none of those, the value of those four things diminish in any way, shape, or form. Those will always be valuable. Yeah, I I can't argue with that. I think what goes away is the, give me your code, I'll play with it for a while, um, I'll tell you where the bugs are, I give it to you, you give it back to me. We do, that, that stuff's gone. Yeah, good riddance. Good riddance. All right. Um, we got about five minutes left. We better get to the mailbag. All right, Brent, you have the first question for yep, the mailbag. So I, I had a one-on-one with, with um, a guy I hadn't talked to in a couple of years. Found out, by the way, that um, uh, in some regards, our, our podcast is, is going viral. <laughs> Um, it, meaning yeah. he found the link and forwarded on to several people. Yeah, I don't think that counts. Virals, viral, baby. <laughs> um, In our next podcast, I will teach Brent definitions. Yeah, I look forward to that conversation. Um, I'm all about virality. The um, Anyway, what I'm saying is that we've uh, clearly have moved away from, hey, just people just listening for themselves, but are now at a point where they're sharing with others. Good. What was the question? As we were talking through it, he asked, hey, Brent, this is all great, episode seven. However, one question I had is, um, and 
I'll, I'll leave it to you to answer this. How will it work when, when we're in this world where managers have uh, 10 to 30 uh, direct reports? How the hell are they going to scale? How, how will my manager know what I need to do at review time? That was sort of the um, how will he be able to prop me up correctly at, at review time? And how will he grow my career? God, people he says, there. asking the guy who's not a manager. People, well, <laughs> but I will tell you that I think 30 gets a little bit hard. I think if, if 10 to 20 freaks you out, you're probably not cut out to be uh, an engineering lead in the, in the new world. I think when I, when I talk to people about this, I recommend The One Minute Manager, which is, you know, uh, if you ever re- read the book, yep. um, it is about manager is overwhelmed with how much stuff he has to do and the stuff's not getting done. He talks to the guru, tells him how to be the one minute manager, which basically means that instead of like spending all your time monitoring your employees, you dive in and out. You give them guidance when needed, praise when needed. You get in and out and let them, and guess what happens when you get in and out and get out of their way and give them what they need to do. They grow on their own. Yes. They figure stuff out. One of the reasons your team doesn't grow managers is when you spend all your time trying to micromanage them. It's effort on you, and it hinders your employee's career. What should the micromanager do differently? They need to learn how to step. You need to give your team a framework they can work in and be successful, give them the right coaching they need to continue to achieve that success, and then get the hell out of their way. So, so Alan, actually, there's a reason why I want to you to ask or answer this right yes because alan has has stated over and over again he's super allergic to being a manager no i'm super allergic to being a manager at microsoft okay now let's say your current team but you have no management chain now are your is your team going to go into the weeds and uh are you guys all going to get bad reviews on my team no why because we have we have a value of being super transparent and a value of collaboration. And everybody on the team knows to do that. Everybody knows what everybody else is doing. Say that we got rid of all our managers and we all just reported directly to my boss. I think we would probably rely even more on peer feedback for along those things we talked about earlier around collaboration, et cetera, for how we're evaluated. But also what's going to happen is you're going to have leaders pop up out of that team of 30 people. You're going to have people who, who rise as technical leaders, who rise in and out, World of Warcraft, project management style I talked about last time. Leaders pop in and out, groups form. As a manager, you see those in your little coach, in your brief coaching and monitoring sessions. So you know what's going on. And you have, if you, if you're not transparent and you don't value collaboration and you don't share with each other, it is going to be very difficult to tell who I need to give big rewards to versus smaller rewards. But I think Chris, my manager, imagine having the whole team report to him, which is about 35 people right now. I think he's still going to go to his senior people, his technical leaders, even though they're not managers, and ask them about people on the team um, mm-hmm. to get more information. So it's. But if you have 30 people, won't everybody go in random directions? No, you. You, if you have 30 people and no leadership on the team, yeah. but you have, your, you have your engineering manager who's in charge of managing the team, coaching, making sure everybody has what they need, people are going to do peer mentoring and peer coaching, and you're going to have leaders on that team. 
Uh, we should move on to the next. Well, the, no, because actually I want to bring something up, and we're going to have to do the other question next time. So, so one thing I'll just say on this is my answer to this, and, and, and you just talked about it a great deal, but we talked about the IRR earlier and the reason why. Like my answer to this in, in this world, um, reducing the friction around knowledge sharing is absolutely the key to making this succeed. Yeah, I, I think it's a huge part of it. So um, I want to bring up – I was thinking about this topic since our last podcast. And I remember Brent and I have been having lunch together, meeting together for like five years. And I remember one of our – Feels f- like 10. One of our first meetings, uh, we were over at a place called Saigon City having some uh, Vietnamese food. They're closed now. No way. Yeah. Out oh, of business. Oh, no. I, oh, God. I love that place. <laughs> In a moment. All right, All right. Um, back in business here. Wow. It's a good thing we have a new favorite place. Where am I going to get a 21? Oh, man, the 21 was so good. Blackjack table, maybe? The number 21 on the menu. So yeah. we're having lunch there, and Brent's talking about – we're talking about um, Google. Mm-hmm. And, Brent, and Brent says to me – this is just a few short years ago. Brent says to me, I could never work at Google. I said, why not, Brent? He goes, they expect managers to manage up to 15 people – and there is no way I would manage on a team like that because I couldn't give my employees the, the amount of career growth and, 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 and coaching they needed to be successful. Yep. Um, and ever so I remember, <laughs> remember that conversation. I'm glad you did. I rem- no, I, I, I've used that over and over again. But one of the things that I, that I do do is, is I spend a lot of time thinking through why the hell do they think they can? What have they figured out? I've now learned that. Yeah, it's and that's actually a good mode for anything. It's just when you see something you just disagree with. Somebody says something. Well, what's their motivation behind that? Why are they thinking that way? And see if there's some value there for you. And how do they do it? Like, how do they make it scale? Yeah, yeah. That was so back then in those days, and it was longer than five years ago. Um, I had a rule of thumb, and it's something that I even taught my leads who reported to me: is that my expectation is that you're spending around ten percent of your time with each of your employees. So if you have 10, that's all you're doing, right? Well, the over there, it was common to have 20 to 40 direct reports. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't see how my current tool set will enable me to scale that. And people management is critical to me. If I, I, I can't take, I can't even consider a position yeah. where I would fail in that. I would love to talk more about this, but we're losing our room and I'm late for a meeting. So thanks everyone. We're going to get the other mailbag question uh, next time. And I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And we'll see you later. Right, bye.